Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. And welcome to Hagman. This is the Hagman Report for today. It's Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. The Hagman Report is where truth can't be silenced. We're not going to be silenced no matter how hard they try. And believe me, they are trying very hard. When I say they, I'm talking about the people who don't want the truth to get out, whether it's from a official government entity or whether it's from uh, um, other private sources, right? So understand that uh, the as we progress down the, the path of of uh, research investigation, and I'm talking about proprietary research and investigation. I'm not talking about going through and, and looking at uh, various headlines and trying to interpret headlines. I'm talking about uh, our own investigation, our own research, people sending us videos, audios, uh, uh, transcripts, uh, other things that, that we use as the basis for our investigation as opposed to, again, as opposed to limiting it to open source information. So we see today that half of humanity is on lockdown from this communist Chinese party virus. Let's never forget this is a communist Chinese party virus. It's Wuhan virus. People like to sanitize it by calling it COVID-19. That's a really spiffy name. You know, that's, it, it, it's appropriate, but it also doesn't tell the entire story. The reason I say it doesn't tell the entire story, as we see half of humanity on lockdown, is just this morning I did a screen captured the Drudge Report as one aggregate uh, site of, of news items, just, just one site. New York City uh, braces for peak death. Paramedics told not to bring cardiac arrest patients to ER. Hotspots clamor for quick testing and tests. You've got one in three false negatives as well. People don't understand that this is spread just by breathing. And the six-foot social distancing is laughable in my view. Seriously, if you want to avoid this altogether, just stay out of enclosed spaces, period. It's, it's being the, the rate of transmission or the method of transmission is being understated sometimes. And, and I, look, I don't believe anybody and unless I – I don't believe any of the headlines. I don't believe any of the uh, hype on either side. I don't – and I don't believe this. I don't believe that the people who are talking the most have a handle on the situation. It's simple as that. Those who those who say, "Well, you know, my information is is the most accurate." No, look, no, no. the The reason I say this is because we are being lied to on multiple levels. The question is, why? Now, there's some anecdotal and, and even more than anecdotal evidence that there's a connection to frequency, 5G. There's other anecdotal evidence of, of, um, 
of uh, a militarized version of this, especially when you consider this being spread just by breathing. When I say this, I'm talking about the Communist uh, Chinese Party virus known as COVID-19. We are seeing life and death decisions being made every day. And again, because we are such a litigious society, you're seeing these decisions being made against the threat of lawsuits. I'm not, I'm not judging on, I'm not passing judgment on, on the merits of lawsuits with respect to that, but that's what it's come down to. You've got, as one would expect, surges of infections in nursing homes, sick maps being published everywhere. You've got Bill Gates coming out and saying, I can hardly believe we're in this situation. No, you can believe that. I, I, again, I don't believe what he's saying. To what end? Talked about this this week a couple of times. China seizes COVID-19 advantage in the South China Sea. Asia Times is running with this. And, and before I get to my guest here, I just want to touch on this. Perhaps the larger picture involves war drums. Perhaps the larger picture involves something much greater, as we have to think bigger than what we're thinking. I would, I would recommend everyone, if you're thinking in a certain framework, I would, if, I, if I had one piece of advice to give, think bigger. Because when we come out the other side of this, if we come out the other side of this, and by that I mean if this is not a uh, recurring event, as I suspect it will be, if and when we come out of the other side of this, we are going to be forever changed as a nation, as a world, and as a people. This is a game changer. And I don't think that's hyperbole to state that whatsoever. Think for yourselves, folks. Do, do your own research. All the research that you do, balance it, weigh it against your own instincts. And I, and I do hope that your research, your investigation is, is guided by the Holy Spirit, guided by your, people call it intuition, I call it, you know, that little voice in the back of your head, is this right, is this, you know, should I do this, should I listen to this, should I watch this? To me, that's more of a uh, spiritual Holy Spirit guidance system that we each possess if we are believers in the God of the Bible and in Jesus Christ. With me today, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. Folks, uh, make sure you sign up for his Q files. I'm telling you, it's well worth it. As as you might be in quarantine or as you might be uh, looking for information, Q files 2.0, what a great source of information. That's stevequayle.com. But the Q files, as you can see it on your screen, Q files 2.0, go to stevequayle.com and, and uh, go right through the to the Q files. And sign up, please. Do me a favor. Watch the Q Files 2.0. You'll be better for it, especially in this time 
My other guest is Tom Horn from Skywatch TV. Folks, uh, go to Skywatch TV as well. Make sure you soak up all of the uh, video and audio presentations there, the video presentations there, and take advantage of all of the specials they have with respect to uh, um, their book offers. Shadowland is the topic today. If you go to HagmanReport.com, the promotion for today's program, tonight's program is Shadowland, and you'll find it there with all of the appropriate links. At this point, I'm going to turn it over to Steve Quayle. Steve, how are you, sir? Good, Doug. I think it's going to be a very important show today because what we're watching all over the world and pretty much focusing, we're talking about an orchestrated effort, in my opinion, by the movers and shakers and the powers of darkness in the shadows, positioning all the different events for the ultimate one world government. We know that Bill Gates is postulating that everybody needs a COVID-19 ID. Tom Horn has written the book Shadowland, and today we're going to talk with Tom about just why none of the power brokers have gone to jail. We know Jeffrey Epstein should have been placed in protective custody, but powerful people, Doug, are aware and afraid of who knows what on whom. Ghislaine Maxwell, his girlfriend, the, uh, the woman claiming uh, or claimed by many to be the procurer of young women, all the stuff with Epstein's Island, the concrete that was poured to cover up literally, who knows, hundreds of the bodies that speculated of children and others. The narrative of Q, which by the way, I don't accept. I know there are people that do. Nothing has happened since everything, every day is tomorrow. Tomorrow it's gonna happen, tomorrow it's gonna happen. So I wanna go to Tom Horn and say, Tom, in your opinion, and you have done the research on all the most powerful people in the world, why, in your opinion, has no one been brought to justice? I, I mean, it's a rhetorical question, but also talk to the people about what you found out in your investigation on, obviously, Epstein's Island. Uh, I will certainly do that. And by the way, uh, gentlemen, thanks for having me back on the uh, Hagman report with you really appreciated the opening monologue, uh, Doug. I thought it was very important, even your um, brief reference to China, who I think is probably right now planning an attack on the United States. I know that seems extraordinary, but uh, it's what I happen to believe. Uh, you know, over the last two weeks, I've been on the phone with different prophecy experts that I have a lot of respect for, uh, in addition to you gentlemen. Uh, I've been talking to Washington insiders, people at the Pentagon, people at NASA, uh, and all of us that are spirit-filled believers, but who also happen to be in these positions of, you know, power, authority, management, media, uh, all believe that something is operating off radar here, um, outside normal human perception. That's why Doug Hagman is so intelligent not to get his intelligence briefings from reading the New York Times headlines. Uh, there's something else happening here uh, involving the coronavirus pandemic and the world's response to it that really don't make sense. And I've been going back and forth just for like for you know two months at least, especially the last month, on where on the one hand we have these annual statistics around the number of people that die as a result of exposure to the flu. 
this year, the stats are that there's going to be 85,000 people who are going to die in the United States alone as a result of the flu. Today, as we are recording this program, we just passed 5,000 that have died from coronavirus, and yet, in an unprecedented way, we have shut half of the world down over something that so far, and and by the way, with all respect to everybody that's, that's suffering as a result of sheltering in place, the number of people that are sick, the number of people uh, that have died so far, but if you compare coronavirus to the pandemics that we've experienced for the last 100 years that come around, you know, every two to four years, we have another pandemic. We have another uh, virus that spreads across the world. If you compare this one to those, this one does not at least yet seem to be um, nearly as dangerous as some of those were, which we definitely didn't shut the world down. I mean, 2009 under Obama and Biden, they barely broke wind in the general direction of the H1N1 swine flu that killed 500,000 people worldwide and about 80,000 Americans over uh, a one-year period. So again, we're right now at 5,000. On the other hand, this week, you know, you had the U.S. government's foremost expert on the coronavirus pandemic, Dr. Anthony Fauci, if I'm saying his name right, Fauci or however he says that he, he's predicted that uh, there would have been as many as two million casualties or more in the United States had we not, uh, you know, been sheltering in place. I'm not, by the way, taking that to issue. I don't know if that model is true or if it's not true. I don't know. There's just a heck of a lot of information out there right now, and much of it is just modeling. It's not based on facts, but uh, it's everybody's best guess. Uh, However, we have been sheltering in place for a month, and so he says, as a result, uh, this pandemic is only going to result in millions of Americans being afflicted with the COVID-19 communist China influenza, whatever you want to call it, uh, and as many as 250,000 American deaths, which he says we need to get ready for. On Monday this week, White House uh, uh, response coordinator Dr. Deborah Burks, you probably saw where she uh, supported those claims, predicting that the hundreds of thousands of American deaths that Dr. Fauci says is coming is what she called a best-case scenario, and that's only if we do everything exactly the right way. So, look, we at, at Skywatch TV... Defender Publishing, Eden's Essentials, Whispering Ponies Ranch, all of us are taking a a very careful approach, and we are, uh, you know, our protocol is basically better safe than sorry, even though it's kind of hard to put a lot of stock in these numbers that are flying all over the place, but better safe than sorry. So, you know, we've, we've made decisions. We've we temporarily closed down our studio. We're setting up a temporary studio in Derek Gilbert's house so that he can do the 5 in 10 daily news reports as well as interview some people uh, for the broadcast television uh, programs. We have uh, sent everybody in our warehouse except for a skeleton crew home, so we only have people there that are answering the phone and filling orders, shipping orders, because we do have, right now, people all over the world are going crazy ordering 
uh, fermented mushrooms to supercharge their immunity systems. You recall we talked about that two weeks ago. There's now been over 100 peer-reviewed medical studies, uh, reports, uh, university-level reports, the National Institute of Health, the U.S. government, talking about how people need to supercharge their natural immunity system because they may not even be able to get in to see a doctor and probably shouldn't, by the way, go into a, a medical facility if they can keep from it, do what Doug said a moment ago, and that is just stay home, stay out of crowded places. Uh, but supercharge your immunity system. Best way to naturally do that is evidently fermented mushrooms. This is all stuff I'm learning. Eden's Essentials is the only store, it appears, um, for most of America that even has product, and that's because we bought out the manufacturers. Uh, but it's only there while it's there, so if you want it, get it while you can. I've I personally used it. It worked really well, but I don't want to get off onto that. Uh, but anyway, we have a skeleton crew at the warehouse. Uh, last week, I was really proud of Nita and Joe, who took the thousands of N95 masks that we had in uh, in our you know, in our warehouse that we typically sold through our uh, website. We took them out of the website and we took and donated those to Cox Medical, uh, the hospital here in uh, Springfield. So we're doing all of the stuff, right, that everybody else is doing. All of us are making sacrifices. I'm really proud of how many Americans are stepping forward to do good deeds, delivering groceries to senior citizens, all of that. I think that the best side of many Americans is coming out. Of course, I'm also seeing, you know, the, the, the trolls seem like they've had gasoline thrown on them, so they've never more attacked people like the Hagman Report, Steve Quayle, Skywatch TV, they're just ravenous right now. But I'm also seeing a lot of good, positive things. So all of that to say that that's all the stuff that is apparent. It's all the stuff that we can see. Like Doug said, it's the, it's the headlines that you can read in the newspapers. But what is the backstory? And there is something about this uh, that does not seem to make sense. Unless you consider that behind the scenes, something else is also at play here that increasingly feels and looks like ancient craft, um, occultism, deep, deep state ambitions to a prison planet, a new world order. And I know that for some people that seems fantastic. That seems ridiculous. But if you believe in Bible prophecy, like I do, and many of the, the listeners to this program do, then we know. We've talked about it since we were, you know, young people. A day is coming in which some kind of chaotic event is going to sweep the world, and it is going to infuse, it is going to become the dynamo, the dynamite, uh, around a movement to establish a new dictatorial world order under, uh, over which the man of sin, the Antichrist, as he is called in the book of Revelation, is going to rise up upon the world uh, scene. And I just have to tell you guys, this is starting to remind me of a scholarly study that I did about 20 years ago now into the history of the French Revolution. And by the way, yeah, I mean, even the guillotines could be coming back. Again, I know that sounds ridiculous. But the French Revolution, and specifically the, the occultists, the metaphysicians of that era, that were invoking uh, powerful non-human energies, including uh, evil ones, that's part of history, it's a fact, 
which those who were devoted to those powers said were emanating uh, through their rituals and their symbols, and once released, took on a mind of its own. Uh, writing about the, the Masonic involvement, for instance, in the French Revolution, Gary uh, Lackman, the, the popular author and, and historian, he made an extraordinary important observation about what he called immaterial destructive forces, which had unseen plans of their own, which were released as a result of occult, occult politics during the French Revolution. This is just a short comment, but I want to read this to you because it's really important. Note what he says. He says that uh, Jacques Cazot, now you might recall uh, Cazot was trained by the Jesuits. He became a commissioner uh, general, and he was a popular speaker-writer during the French Revolution. So back to the quote. Cazot himself was aware of the dangerous energies unleashed by the revolution. Although Cazot didn't use the term, he would no doubt have agreed that whatever started it, the revolution soon took on a life of its own, coming under the power of an egregore, Greek for watcher, a kind of immaterial entity that is created by and presides over human activity from a collective. According to the anonymous author of the fascinating Meditations on the Tarot, there are no good egregores, only negative ones. True or not, egregores can nevertheless be engendered by the collective will and imagination of nations. As Jocelyn Godwin points out, an egregore is augmented by human belief, ritual, and especially human sacrifice. It is sufficiently nourished by such energies. The egregore can take on a life of its own and appear to be an independent personal divinity with a limited power on behalf of the devotees and an unlimited appetite for their future devotion. If, as some esotericists believe, human conflicts are the result of spiritual forces for spiritual ends, and these forces are not all good, then collective catastrophes, like the French Revolution, can take on a different kind of significance, end quote. So I found that again this morning, and I had found that back 20 years ago in studying, you know, why did the American Revolution result in such benefits to the human population here, while at the same time the French Revolution wound up with tens of thousands of people with their head chopped off, and a goddess brought in and put you know, on the altar uh, in the church of Notre Dame, and the God of Christianity was proclaimed as dead. And if people don't believe that there are forces within the deep state of the United States of America that have been and are today actively working to bring about a system that is going to become the new Hitler's final solution, the Antichrist final solution uh, that is going to ultimately decimate both the Jews and Christian, true conservative Christian populations, then they simply are not paying attention, they're not attention, they're not praying, and they are not tuned in to the spirit of this age. Because we do today have an ordo ab KO, and it's this juggernaut that is called coronavirus. I believe that, gentlemen, with all my heart. What say you? Steve? Well, first of all, I would say this, upon the preponderance of evidence, I believe that the whole situation, Tom and Doug, with China, it is a three-stage bioweapon. 
In 2015, and even uh, more current time than that, uh, fast forward to you know just maybe less than a year ago, the Chinese have what were known as their white papers. Doug, you read those, or at least I, I referred you to those years ago. And Tom, based on the incubation period, it was stated in Chinese literature that they would have a three-prong attack. Uh, I'm in contact with different people as you are, and scientists who are basically uh, uh, really, uh, how should I say this, formerly, not contemporarily, in the bioweapons program. Now, I haven't veered from that, you guys, since day one. I categorically reject China's numbers of how many people are dead based on the satellite photos of uh, the crematoriums. I actually know the country. I won't say it. Uh, how many furnaces China ordered crematoriums. There is a uh, biological signature to massive human bodies being born, uh, being born, forgive me, being burned, B-U-R-N-E-D, and it's called crematin, C-R-E-A-M-I-T-I-N, close enough. And the thing that's uh, important in everybody keeping track of, since when did the Chinese ever tell the truth? Unfortunately, I believe the president, number one, was naive. Number two, did not receive accurate intel. Number three, dismissed it as because I think he's blinded by, and, and look, I voted for Trump, so I just want to go on record. But I also want everybody to understand that the numbers of cell phone users decreased by 21 to 23 million. The numbers are still coming in. And in China, it's a requirement of the surveillance state that their people have cell phones, especially the ones that are a little bit higher up in income because they are tracked every minute of the day, actually every phone call of the day, uh, every place they go, everything they say, everything they visit in every way. So that presents a problem because if you take the standard uh, incubation rates, if you take the standard population density, by the way, Wuhan really does have a bio laboratory, but the Chinese war policy would be to launch a threefold, almost like a pitchfork, interesting, or a trident upon the United States and Western Europe that the first, uh, if you will, the outer fork of the pitchfork would be a long period incubation weapon. Now, obviously, coronavirus and, and the mutations of it, when everybody thought we were dealing with one virus, they said there are 24. And now they're finding out there could be mutagenic variations into the hundreds. Then I said it would be followed by a secondary virus. Each time the viruses, let's say they start out with this form of an incubation period, and then they would shorten and shorten and shorten it until finally you've got an accelerated incubation period with people dying. I categorically take challenge anybody that with a standard protocol of basic math to say this wasn't an orchestrated attack to soften us up. And I believe that quite candidly, the evidence is more in favor of a bioweapons attack than it is in the New York Times, Tom, blaming Christians for coronavirus. And I, I made the statement, I've been told that the uh, Chinese were the ones that bought the debt of the New York Times, I think in the Washington Post and some other interesting networks on TV. Gee, who might that be? Most people don't yeah. understand that that blackmail is real. So I'm just saying this. I don't care, and please, this is named at you anyway, Tom, but I don't care how many people accept the Chinese lying numbers. Italy, 
Italy's numbers, the fastest uh, doubling, if you will, or replicating of death in individuals was based on, too, the Wuhan virus. It would be interesting for everybody to know that Milan in Italy is the Chinese hotspot for all the wealthier Chinese to uh, migrate to during the fashion week, all the billionaires, millionaires, etc. So the fact is, is that what I found interesting is the Chinese have changed their story six times. And so I don't believe anything they say. I believe the United States is incredibly naive. I believe with the control of the mainstream murderers and mainstream uh, media, oh, I'm sorry, Eminem. The problem is that they absolutely have control of the narrative and Christians, Tom, would do well to study the word of God, to ask the Lord himself for wisdom and knowledge and also discernment. The old idea is that in any war, we have a war for truth. God has been segregated out of society, actually denigrated out. Jesus is the most forbidden name, not in just the world of the occult, but in the pulpits of America because they want to be inclusive. Well, the only place I know that's totally inclusive is hell, the place that's incredibly uh, difficult and has the, let's say this, most stringent requirements for entrance are heaven. And somebody once said, isn't it interesting? There's a highway to hell, but only a stairway to heaven. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, uh, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, so while the New York Times is blaming Christians, not all Christians, not the liberal ones, of course, not the progressive ones, not those who are also going to line up as part of the false prophets, religious order to persecute true believers on the earth uh, in the future. Not those, but the, but the conservative Christians, the people like us, preachers of truth, prophets of, of truth. Uh, so, uh, but while they're doing that, it's interesting that even a lot of liberals are turning around and they're not, they're not blaming Christians, they're blaming Obama, they're blaming Biden, they're blaming Pelosi, they're blaming Orcasio. Cortez, and by the way, you guys know that you can't spell chaos without AOC. Uh, they're, they're blaming them uh, and the Dem Socialist Party for their open borders policies, for their globalism uh, policies that have dominated, uh, you know, American uh, politics and jurisprudence uh, for the last couple of decades. They're blaming them for this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, communist, uh, you know, uh, invisible invasion of the United States because of their crazy... Uh, you, you know, the open border policy, last month alone, more than 150,000 uh, illegal immigrants were, were uh, held at the border that were coming into the United States from countries where coronavirus uh, is completely out of hand. So the open border policies. But in any case, think about this. Don't, don't forget, I would encourage people to think back only 11 years ago now during the Obama era, when in uh, January 2009 there was this course call for a new world order that was being ramped up by former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Yeah, there he was on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. A reporter uh, asked uh, him what he thought Barack Obama's first actions as president should be in light of a global financial crisis. And his answer was, I think that his task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period when really a new world order can be created. So right in the very beginning, 
beginning of the election of Obama, a, a process was put in place. Obama was the only guy that ever had a ball held for him by the Washington, D.C. Uh, Freemasonic Order. Only president in history, so far as I know. Uh, and uh, a strategy was uh, put into place. In fact, those are the very terms that Kissinger used. He said, I think that uh, Obama's task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period when really a new world order can be created. People go back and Google that. Read it for yourself. Uh, he followed that a couple weeks later with this opinion piece that was in the Tribune Media Services titled The Chance for a New World Order, where he just continued addressing the international financial crisis under Barack Obama, uh, discussing the need for an international political order, a world government. In fact, they even used the language to rise like the phoenix of myth, right, and govern a new international mo uh, monetary and trade system. From there, uh, Kissinger went on and his acolytes to highlight Obama's impact on the so-called imagination of humanity uh, and so on. And now, <clears throat> for those that are listening to this program may not know, and that's you know, with the millennial generation, they may not know a lot about this. Kissinger's a Rockefeller functionary. He's a member of the Bilderberg Group, member of the Trilateral Commission. It routinely turned up over the last two decades and list among uh, senior members of the Illuminati. Uh, and he peppered his phrasing in 2009 with key phrases that were taken literally right out of Masonic uh, Dogma, clear references to the Ordo Ab Chao from ancient craft masonry, this reference to order out of chaos, this discussion about, you know, like the mythical Phoenix Firebird, we can envision an opportunity for a new world order being engineered from the ashes uh, of some, quote, near future global chaos, end quote, exactly the point by the way, that he had made years earlier at the Bilderberg meeting in Evians, France, on May 21, 1991. I have it right in front of me when describing how the world could be manipulated into willingly embracing global government and giving up their civil liberties. Here's the quote. Today, Americans would be outraged if U.N. troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow, they will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told there's an outside threat from beyond, whether real or promulgated, that threatened our very existence. It is then that all peoples of the world will plead with world leaders to deliver them from this evil. The one thing every man fears is the unknown. When presented with this scenario, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the, uh, for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by their world government, end quote. And I got to tell you guys, uh, it could turn out that I'm absolutely wrong, but this looks exactly to me like a well-crafted occult process that started in the Obama administration and everything from banking institutions, and by the way, we should talk about, in a moment, we should talk about what I think is the next hammer that's going to drop, having to do with banking institutions globally. Uh, but... Uh, I, but I wouldn't. I would not put all the blame just on Obama. Think back about George W. Bush. He too envisions the specter of a Babylonian-like one-world government with almost religious tone when uh, he cited how when our fathers declared a new order of the ages, they were acting on an ancient hope that is meant to be fulfilled. 
So there's been a process for a while, and all of those that are in the know, they keep sending these, uh, uh, they call it Sato voice, below voice signals, to their occult aspirants, in which sacrifices have been made, commitments have been made, egregores have been generated and released, a plan is in place. In fact, a whole lot of the Shadowland book, Doug told me that he had read it, and he recognized all of the research and work that went into identifying, uh, you know, the um, potential human sacrifices. There's a reason the skulls of children and bones of children have been recovered on numerous occasions now in the last two years in the waters floating, in the waters around uh, Jeffrey Epstein's Orgy Island. Uh, and we go into all of that in the book. I also, by the way, I'm giving away this, uh, the hidden occultism of Epstein's Orgy Island, which is a five-hour audio series by myself because I couldn't put all this material in the book. We're giving that away free. We're giving Carl Gallup's new book, Masquerade, uh, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History that has to do with this away free. Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis's new book, Progressive Evil, talking about uh, everyone from Pelosi to Ocasio-Cortez, the new socialist wing of the Democratic Party and their uh, schemes. In addition to the books in print, uh, and DVD films were also giving away 70, the best, the top 70 best-selling books uh, from Defender Publishing from the last two years. We're giving all of those away free in ebook format that will, you can, you're, now that you're sheltering in place and you're home and you're stuck there for a while, this is more material than you'd ever be able to get through in the next month uh, or even several uh, months. And we're giving it away uh, free right now in this over $900 giveaway at skywatchtvstore.com. If you click on it, go to New Arrivals, you'll see the giant ad there. Or uh, Doug uh, so graciously also put the link to the ad on his website. Go there, your donation of $35 to help the ministry, over $900 uh, in books and products and film and all the rest of it uh, free. But for uh, Hagman listeners, we do this once in a while, uh, if you also, when checking out at the store, will type into the comment section, I heard you on Hagman. I'm also telling uh, the staff down there to throw in five hours of DVDs that includes Sharon Gilbert's um, presentation, a standing ovation presentation she made only a, a few weeks ago at the Watchman Conference on the Pale Rider and the connection between that prophecy, something like coronavirus or coronavirus, several other hours. Anyway, it's all there, but don't forget on checkout, type in, I heard you on Hagman. Um, I don't know, look, where do we want to go from here? Because I'll tell you, uh, we, uh, you know, we focused uh, two weeks ago on the plagues of the Book of Revelation and the Pale Rider and its possible connection in terms of speaking prophetically about what might be happening right now with coronavirus. Uh, we also hypothesized how it could be a trigger event that ultimately gives uh, rise to the mark of the beast. We also talked about how people need desperately right now to make sure that they uh, 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 do something to make sure they prioritize their natural immunity system. So taking stuff like uh, fermented mushrooms, get that from Eden's Essentials. We talked about all that. But let me speak of another 
I think this is an elephant in the room, Doug and Steve. Uh, perhaps the next hammer that's going to fall, it too is part of prophecy. It's in Revelation 6, 5 through 6, and it speaks of a famine and what looks like a global economic collapse. Here's what it says in Revelation 6, 5 through 6. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Revelation 6, 5 through 6. Now this Greek word, measure, is konix, uh, and it is equivalent to a dry quart, uh, or approximately enough wheat to make one and a half sm small loaves of bread. The cost of it is equal to a day's wages. <laughs> so we're talking about something that actually is uh, equal to the Great Depression here in the United States, far more than a recession, where you would work all day long to only have a loaf of bread to feed uh, to your children. I think that that could be the next hammer to fall, and I think it'll have a lot to do with the international banking uh, system. I, you know what, Steve, I agree with that. And, uh, we're, and Steve, you had talked about this too, the supply and, and the uh, food uh, delivery distribution chains. And, and we're seeing this now to a lesser extent. In, in fact, folks, I know that you're out there ordering uh, things from Amazon and, and such. Look at the delivery dates on Amazon, how far out they are. If you can get some of the items, in particular the perishables or, or the um, uh, items most in demand in terms of food supply. And check your grocery stores, too. Slow to restock. We are uh, just in time delivery. Steve, you talked about that. So, um, as a matter of fact, yesterday, real quick, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you, Steve. The uh, We are facing supply disruptions. The New York Times wrote about this yesterday, technological disruption in terms of the uh, last mile delivery. You can look that up, what that means. Uh, the coronavirus really is part of, of exacerbating the just-in-time delivery system and our food supply. So it, this was coming anyway. It's just making it worse. Go ahead, Steve. Well, first of all, I want to make it clear that I believe the world that Tom is talking about, Shadowland, I, I believe I would call it the Judas takeover by fallen angels. People can't get it through their mind that angels don't look like the cherubs that people put on their mantelpiece during the holidays. It's important that people understand that the word of the Lord is that in the Bible that even Satan can manifest himself as an angel of light. And what's really problematic, Doug, is that the thing is, it's, it, it, it's historically a fact that when there's a famine for the word of God in the land, my people, you know, shall not, or man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When there's a famine for the word of God, there's a famine that follows in the land. And what's problematic is this, is that most people can no longer think, in my opinion, as a national population of where food comes from. Somehow I think they think that we're in the age of Star Trek where you just press a couple buttons and everything materializes in the machine. You go to the machine and basically you have whatever you want. I want people to understand that if 30 million Americans are out of work 
And this thing goes on longer. I don't know if you saw it, Tom, but even J.P. Morgan on the financial realm has been asked to postulate the cost on Ford if Ford shuts down all production for three months, six months, and nine months. Did you guys both see that? Yes. Yep. Okay. So what I'm saying is this. The disconnect is what grows in the field, what's raised in the field by the farmers and ranchers of America. What happens when that's under every form of attack uh, from the weather, uh, seismic events, flooding, and flooding, obviously, weather, and electromagnetic attack, too? What happens when one, uh, uh, let's say, this one herd of uh, cows or 400,000 uh, antelope in the steppes of Russia, steppes, uh, die? What's killing all these things? And it's my contention that we are in the end times. And Tom, again, I think we need to get into why the blood and sexual sacrifices of all these children, and especially in the second hour, please tell people, because again, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, I guess you would call it uh, um, Epstein's pimpess, P-I-M-P-E-S-S, that's my new word, uh, for securing young women for Epstein and his party boys and party girls. I want you, if you would, to explain the importance of blood sacrifice, blood ritual, and then go into, because we didn't get it covered the last two hours, we've got it covered this. I don't think people recognize that if you want, and if you'll put it in this perspective, Ghislaine Maxwell, the former or the daughter of the former uh, uh, entrepreneur billionaire that was murdered in, I think it was 1991, Robert Maxwell, whose ties to the intelligence community were well known. So if she's in hiding and she knows this, if they could get to Jeffrey Epstein, they could get to her. Would you just take that whole dialogue from the sacrifice to the island to uh, the necessity for having the ultimate Luciferian sacrifice, which will be the blood of any believers who believe in, if you will, uh, uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, or the New Testament. So go ahead, sir. Yeah, and, and if I can just interject something here uh, right before uh, uh, Tom. Uh, Steve, I, I got to tell you this. This uh, Shadowland, and, and, and Tom, I want to thank you for writing this, and uh, Lieutenant uh, uh, McGinnis for the uh, prologue, the, the preface on this, where you, where where this really meets the events of today, I believe, with what Steve is talking about, the occult nature of Epstein, the the uh, occult nature of the blood sacrifices of children, as it relates, and I'm going to be very specific about this because you were in this book, Pizzagate. Pizzagate is not what people think it is. Pizzagate is a slice, pardon the pun, of a much larger pie. Yes, I use that reference. It, 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 and that large pie is pedogate, is the, um, is the sacrifice of children, and it overlaps into child sacrifice through the murder of unborn. Um, there are so many overlapping connections to what Steve just said. The foundation for everything we're seeing, I believe, including the deaths from the coronavirus, as fringe-worthy as that seems, is connected to what we're seeing, is connected to everything we've been talking about, including uh, Epstein, including his island, including the elite Bohemian Grove kind of activities that we're seeing. So with that, 
sorry for the in- interjection there, but I needed to, to say that. So go ahead, sir. So yeah, let me do that, and I promise in the in the second era of that's all that I will talk about. Let me finish by making a statement about the financial collapse that I think is coming. Why? Because it's also connected to the occult elite. Make no mistake about mistake about this. There's a reason that Jeffrey Epstein was powerful and wealthy. There's a reason that Hillary Clinton and Klan and crime family are powerful and uh, financially benefited from all of these. Uh, uh, systems and networks. It's more than just they wound up being, you know, servants of the people in Washington, D.C. They're part of the deep state. They're part of a background. They're part of shadow land. They're all part of deal making. And at the top of that crest, there's only 6,000 families nationwide, according to university level studies, uh, 6,000 families who control the wealth of the world and they are. They are deeply connected at every level to the occultism that is behind the uh, investigative work called Shadowland. So let me just make a really quick statement, and then I'll move on to talk about Epstein Island, Pizzagate, and all of it. Don't forget that a few years ago, the United States National Intelligence Council, the NIC, and the European Union's Institute for uh, Security Studies, they joined forces. Why? to produce an assessment of a long-term prospect for global governance frameworks. Their report, people can look this up online, read it for themselves, it's called Global Governance 2025 at a Critical Juncture. Get it, download the PDF and read it. I highly recommend it. It assesses the uh, leading intercontinental perils that could endanger the collective administration of shared problems at the international level. I found that their target date, 2025, was really interesting, came back to me when I was writing the book Wormwood. Why? Because the Wormwood asteroid apothis. People don't have to believe me. They're going to believe me around 2025 and, and moving forward from there when it begins to become very apparent that NASA, the ESA, and others have been lying to the world about the possibility of apothis striking the Earth Friday the 13th, April 2029. If you take the date that Apophis is supposed to strike the Earth and move backwards exactly 3.5 years. Now, why is that important? For those of you out there that don't understand biblical dispensationalism or prophecy, most evangelical believers and a lot of Catholics believe that there is a seven years of great tribulation that is coming on the Earth. In the middle of that great tribulation is when the trumpet judgments, like the Wormwood prophecy of Revelation 8, that's when they begin to unfold. So if you wanted to get to the beginning, when does the great tribulation period begin? And I'm not setting dates here, but if you wanted to get to the beginning of it, and if Apophis is Wormwood, you would back up 3.5 years to get to the beginning of the great tribulation period. Lo and behold, it's exactly when... The National uh, Intelligence Council and the European Union Institute for Security Studies saw a coming global catastrophic collapse of the global economic systems happening in 2025. So get that uh, report, read it. Uh, I found their day to be very important. I think it is connected to what is coming with Wormwood. If you don't believe that, that's fine. Just be entertained by the information, however you want to assimilate that in your mind. But keep this in mind. From the beginning of their report, there is a subsection. You've got to read it. <coughs> it's called Scenario 1, Barely Keeping Afloat, in which they acknowledged 
then, this is a few years ago, how crisis, including financial institutions, uh, have been served ad hoc, temporary frameworks that were devised to avert the most threatening aspects, such as the United States printing money, for instance, for which it has no gold reserves, like we are doing right now under the whole COVID-19 communist infection uh, uh, bailout. I agree with what Steve uh, said a moment ago. I voted for Donald Trump. I believe that Donald Trump is sincere. I think he's trying to do what he, the best that he can do, given the advice of those who are around him. But there is no doubt that his advisors are also infected by the deep state. They are infected by the Shadowland creatures, the swamp creatures uh, that dominate um, Washington, D.C., and they are giving him advice that could be catastrophic for the future. And, and I, I can already tell we're not going to have time to go into all this. I was going to draw some parallels to the Dust Bowl, things like that. I won't. Uh, but we're using synthetic economic tricks right now. Look, I'm glad. Every, every person that's out of work, they're going to benefit temporarily from getting their $1,200 checks, uh, their $2,500 uh, checks if they're, you know, so many members of their family, the small businesses that are going to get assistance in terms of loans and grants uh, to continue making payroll, In the short term, that's going to help a lot of people, and I can't say that I'm opposed to it. What I can say, it is being used to temporarily sustain what is ultimately an unsustainable financial system. And that was true before coronavirus came around. Conservative analysts around the world and prophecy people like Steve Quayle and Doug Hagman around the world have been predicting that a devastating crash for the stock market is coming uh, all the while, the you know, the financiers have been holding their breath, hoping that it, you know, somehow might not happen in their lifetime. But history and experience, coupled with extraordinary facts available today, have convinced them it's something they're not telling you. And that is that the world's major economies are being artificially sustained, and it is only a matter of time before this house of cards crumbles. That is the next hammer, I think, to fall, and it will fall sometime very soon. If not this year, next year, it is coming. You cannot sustain printing money and, and, and living in the deficit standard that we are uh, today. But it does set the stage for the official establishment of an Antichrist New World Economic uh, Order. And it might even, by the way, have been manufactured intentionally by the occultists uh, to create a crash that, and it's not even going to matter what nation it starts in, could start in the United States, could start in Europe. That's not really even going to matter. It's going to work its way around the globe, going to topple the economy of nations like a string of dominoes, virtually simultaneously, by the way, and on the heels of that event, a new form of digital currency could be announced that's already being discussed in Washington, D.C. today, that is international in scope. Uh, It's being already proclaimed as more reliable than the old monetary system, plus the fact that in cash spreads the coronavirus uh, disease. 
Uh, it's going to replace modern credit and debit cards as well as paper checks. Ultimately going to pave way for a super, what, biometric ID card, smart tattoo, I don't know. I know we've got to go to a break here in a moment, but this is coming. Uh, and we're probably not going to have time to talk about it because in the second hour we definitely do want to get on to the whole occult side of all of this and the families, the primary players who are benefiting from all of it and what their goals have been. But, but believe me when I tell you that this is coming very soon. The bureaucrats have this in play. There's going to be a majority of people that have been using electronic banking for years, direct payroll deposits. They're going to warm up to this in a snap. Uh, and polls around the world right now show overwhelmingly that a majority of people approve and appreciate the convenience of all of this emerging biometric smart banking uh, technologies, and they are open to near-future realities wherein their flesh is going to be merged with the apparatus for buying and selling and surveillance, uh, either via implantable chips or some other cool new cyborg control system that Steve Quill and I have been warning about for years, but now that today... DARPA and other industries are lining up to be the ones at the forefront to be able to benefit from the sale of the technology in which everybody on Earth is going to be um, tracked uh, and monitored to see whether or not you have a potential kind of viral disease. It's an implantable system. It is coming. I know I'm all over the board with this, and it's because I feel like I'm in a rush to explain what I think is coming in the financial system. Uh, maybe we got to do another program at some time uh, just talking about the uh, monetary collapse of the system that is coming and what that's going to mean for people worldwide. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tom Horn from Skywatch TV, Steve Quill from stevequill.com, uh, two, two intellectuals that uh, I'm very thankful to have. And uh, just as an aside, Steve and I don't have to worry about that uh, coronavirus cash spreading coronavirus. We launder our currency, or at least that's what we're uh, um, accused of. So, uh, by some, right? Right, Steve? I'm, I'm joking, of course. But, folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report, where truth can't be silenced. Again, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. Make sure you sign up for the Q Files 2.0. And Tom Horn from Skywatch TV. Make sure you go to Skywatch TV. The link is in the Hagman Report live program description box there. Click on the offer for Shadowland. Here it is right here. A whole host of other in, uh, informative materials included with that as well with a donation. I'm telling you, this is well. This right here is well worth it, as, as the Q-Files 2.0 are as well. Going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. Welcome to Hagman. It is the Hagman Report for today. It is Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. 2020 vision. Boy, I'll tell you what, if we had it looking forward, it, what a difference it would make. But, you know, the closest to 2020 vision are my two guests with me, Steve Quayle and Tom Horn. Uh, SteveQuayle.com, QFiles 2.0, respectively. And uh, Tom Horn, of course, uh, uh, from Skywatch TV. Before I get back to them, I want to tell you about Audible. If you are... Hey, look, everyone's confined, right? Pretty much everyone's in this in their own world. Let me tell you about Audible, okay, folks? This is how our family gets through the days. Uh, 
uh, audible.com slash Hagman. That's audible.com slash Hagman. Two ends on Hagman. You know, here's the thing. Audible is a leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs to news to business to self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals for a, from a monthly selection and access to daily news digest from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. I mean, you name it. It's there. I'm telling you, to kick off 2020, what they did, what Audible did, focusing on the new year, the new you, they've got plenty of content that can help your, that, that can help you pursue your goals, whether it's getting into shape, finishing more books, or becoming a better parent, leader, person, whatever the case might be. Currently, you know what I'm, I'll tell you what, what I've got on deck for Audible right now, or I'm listening to on Audible right now, is The War on History by Jarrett Stepman. Let me tell you something. Um, remember when they were taking down the statues? Remember just m- months ago, statues, Robert E. Lee coming down? What was that all about? You think it was just a, a spontaneous combustible protest? No. No, the war on history is what I'm listening to on DECA's revolution, written by KT McFarland, Donald Trump's former deputy national security advisor. These are the kinds of, kinds of titles that they have. I would urge everyone to go to audible.com slash Hagman and have at it. I'm going to tell you right now, it's uh, the most important thing I believe you can do. In addition, of course, to I mean, be, be, being educated. I mean, it's 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 what we need to do. By the way, it's just not books. It's videos. It's everything. Okay, it's everything. Podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, a list comedy, exclusive Audible originals that you won't find anywhere else. They've got it all, folks. Again, go to audible.com/hagman. That is audible.com/slash. Hagman. And I've got to say, in addition to audible.com, Shadowland, man, is this, is, uh, I, wow, I learned a lot from this. A lot of information was actually, uh, I was able to verify a lot of information by Shadowland. And of course, uh, com- combine that and combine the deal that uh, Skywatch TV's got. Make sure you, make sure when you order from Skywatch TV, make sure you include the word Hagman in there. I heard it on Hagman or Hagman because. Well, hey, we like to get the credit, right? All right. With that, Steve Quayle, Tom Horn. Steve, going to turn it over to you. Take it. You got the rest. You guys got the rest of the show. Well, one of the things that's really important that we get to and is the whole occult uh, basis for blood sacrifice, because from the ancient times, even to uh, the very beginning of of Earth's history, from Adam and Eve forward, the necessity for blood sacrifice has always been associated with spirits, evil spirits, fallen angels, and giants. And so I've asked Tom, and and he mentioned he's going to, until you understand that the blood of the innocent, especially all the babies aborted and butchered and eaten and cannibalized, and Tom, I, I made this statement, and you've heard me say it even with you on your different shows, that years ago, years ago, when the Lord spoke to my heart and said, When cannibalism fills the headlines of the day and the major volcanoes of the world go off simultaneously, he said, no, that tribulations, plural, have started. 
Well, right now, obviously, with all of the stories of cannibalism, even famous stars talking about eating human flesh and it's the best, I want you, to, if you would, to lay out the occult background of blood sacrifice and why it played such an important part and what the raping and killing and murdering and snuffing of children and teenagers has to do with it. Yeah, uh, thank you, Doug and Steve, and for all of your kind <laughs> accolades uh, since the release of the book Shadowland. Uh, we're getting that from around the world. Uh, even the people that work for me at Skywatch TV say that nothing like this has ever been uh, written before. We're getting a whole series of five-star uh, returns on that at Amazon, one after another. So people are they're very excited, and I'll tell you why. And it's because no book like this has ever been written before. There's also an aspect of this that is very, very brave in the sense that we uncover the key players. We name names in this book, dozens of them who are involved, who are connected at the hip with things like blood sacrifice, the, the missing children reports that are out there, uh, politicians who have turned up dead overnight because they were investigating what was going on among some of these uh, key players. But we name names. We provide the, 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 uh, uh, the kill list, if you will, uh, the body count list, which uh, number in literally the dozens, if not hundreds, of individuals, including Jeffrey Epstein himself. Uh, and right now, again, over $900 giveaway. Go to skywatchtvstore.com. Click on the Shadowland Ultimate Giveaway and you'll get it all, the movies, the books, the, all of it. Uh, if you're, uh, but if you on um, checking out from the store, put into the comment section, I heard you on Hagman. Uh, we're also going to include five more hours of DVDs that, that are talking about really coronavirus, but also the occult connection, even the ancient pagan connection to uh, viruses and the pagan gods and so on. So here's an interesting thing, you, uh, Doug and Steve. You guys have saw that uh, New York City Mayor uh, Bill de Blasio and the, uh, also the governor, uh, you know, their popularity is rising right now. And they're actually being seen as more likely than not to be confirmed uh, during a brokered convention for the Democratic Party as the presidential nominee. Well, I can tell you that behind the scenes, Hillary Clinton is nuggling up, whatever the word is, uh, cuddling up to these individuals because she wants to be uh, the VP. Uh, God help the guy that gets elected with Hillary Clinton as a VP because he's probably going to oops and not be around very long, but be that what it is, I don't think that's going to happen anyway, but that's what she's definitely wanting to happen. And around her, there are a large number of individuals who believe that she is connected to this entire pagan scheme as well as some of the darker um, sides of what we will now uh, talk about. Um, don't forget, during the WikiLeaks, uh, there was a picture of John Podesta standing up there. Uh, he, did, he never knew the public was ever going to see this. He'd be sending it to his insider friend. picture of him holding up his two hands, a fish on one hand, the number 14 on the other hand. I'm not going to go into all that right now. If we get time later, I will, but it's necromantic. Uh, worship of underworld spirits that involves the use of human sacrifices to bring up from out of the underworld the spirit that's going to inhabit the Antichrist. It's connected, of course, to the worship of Osiris, the myth of Osiris, and we've 
done lots of shows where we've talked about that uh, before. Uh, but, Hillary, the question is then, in the book, I, I examine this, does Hillary herself believe the stuff that obviously the people around her, like the Podestas and others that were doing these spirit-cooking rituals, this does also tie to Pizzagate, if we get a chance, we'll talk about that, uh, that Doug brought up before the break. Um, uh, does she herself believe uh, all of this occultism? Well, she's been very careful about it, but here's what I would tell people quickly. Without going into the details, don't forget that it was Hillary Clinton that was conducting seances at the White House with psychic medium Jean Houston, uh, during which she was allegedly being visited by the familiar spirit of the phantom of her political inspiration, Eleanor Roosevelt. That is a fact. Uh, Clinton insider Larry Nichols, who I spoke with, said that Bill Clinton told him how Hillary was a member of a coven in California, and they were serious. Uh, a, a member of 13, that, this coven was made up of 13. She was one of them. I'll explain why that's important when we get into Epstein's Orgy Island, uh, that she was part of, and that she, according to Larry Nichols, and Larry was uh, Clinton's confidant, worked with him in his first administration, uh, and helped him get elected to the White House in the first term, uh, that she was allegedly uh, uh, part of this very serious COVID of 13 in California that was regularly meeting to practice the dark, the darkest kinds of witchcraft. Don't forget that it was Bill and Hillary that introduced Wiccan chaplains to the U.S. military during their term. Don't forget that in the lead-up to the 2016 election, it came to light that the UFO interest of John Podesta and Hillary, that they were fascinated uh, by all this, and that it had, according to the government's accounting, quote, quickly took a dive into the paranormal, which, according to a senior senior manager, included, included studying bizarre creatures, poltergeist activity, invisible entities. These are all things you'll find out about in the book Shadowland. And finally, don't forget regarding her, that news agencies at the time uncovered WikiLeaks emails tied to Hillary and her circle of friends in which they were conducting actual satanic rituals and other occultic beliefs. There's an unclassified now U.S. Department of State letter that depicted a ritual that was being referred to them described as, quote, with fingers crossed, the old rabbit's foot out of the box in the attic, I will be sacrificing a chicken in the backyard to Molech, end quote. That's actually, according to the U.S. government's own uh, paperwork, this is the kind of stuff that was being talked about and, and, and discussed uh, among this circle. Now, why is Molech important? Any one of the guys you know, on this panel could explain this. Molech, of course, connected to the sacrifice of children widespread uh, in the Old Testament, but also today. So let me jump very quickly to Epstein's Island, which Stephen Doug have asked me to do. And, and here's an important part of this, because it does also connect in some parts of Epstein's Island to Freemasonic occultism that is connected to the many dozens of hours of programs that me, Steve, and Doug Hagman have done in the past uh, regarding Washington, D.C., the layout of Washington, D.C., <clears throat> excuse me, the belly of the beast, the Vatican, the uh, utilities that are in place, 
specifically for one purpose, and that is to bring about the resurrection of the man of sin in the end time. So when I went to Epstein's Island, hang on, <coughs> I'm sorry, let me take a drink. When I went to Epstein's Island, uh, this was this all had to be done uh, very covertly uh, because you can get in a lot of trouble right now flying a drone uh, over Epstein. I'm not sure that I could, but the guy that did this for us could. Uh, they're completely forbidden. It's a restricted airspace, if you will, around Epstein's Island. Uh, but we were able to get a guy. Uh, who runs a commercial drone company, I cannot name him because he could get in a lot of trouble, who uh, took a slow uh, drone tour over Epstein's Island and got high-definition images for us, sent back to us, which we then analyzed, and some of the images of which are in the book Shadowland. Uh, so it's really uh, an exclusive what we learned was, and as all Freemasons and occultists know, not only has there been a plan in place since antiquity that involves an occult vision for the future under this global dictator, um, often telltale signs of occult devotion and participation are openly hidden. This is on purpose. This is why it's like this in Washington, D.C. Openly hidden in the architecture and symbols that mark surrounding properties for the members of these type secretive groups, but it's also more than that. It is to conjure the spirits that are being invoked by that symbolism. Occultists around the world believe the power of uh, symbols and design uh, um, are not only for conveying, you know, what, psychological concepts and inspiration, but it's actually meant to coerce the mysterious and potent supernaturalism that's being invited to take up residence there. That's a belief that's deeply preserved in all of the Babylonian, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, and Masonic history. Now, I raised this issue, though, about Masonic imagery in the beginning of this commentary in particular, because when you carefully review Epstein's Orgy Island, where people from the Clintons to Prince Andrew to others gathered and I think participated in the darkest kind of blood ritual activity. Uh, and that's Tom Horn saying this. That's not Steve Quayle uh, or Doug Hagman. It's my conclusion. Um, you can see the scenery there that's rich with the appropriate symbols that are analogous with Masonic arcane modern magic. The, the powerful trident, for instance, it's right up next to what is called uh, the temple, that's been always been considered of the utmost importance for sorcery, indispensable to the efficacy of infernal rites. The other motifs that are there that involves the suggestion of sex slavery, human sacrifice. Uh, for example, uh, when you read the book Shadowland, uh, you'll find that on his little St. James Lolita Island, pedophile island, orgy island, where this endless supply that Steve referred to of miners being transported by this team of uh, child abductors under the uh, master planner, Ghislaine Maxwell, Maxwell um, and where they were brought and forced to partake in these debauched ceremonies at a minimum, some of whom I think also wound up in blood sacrifices by Epstein and his wealthy, world-spanning pedophile friends. Right there, you know, in the center, if you will, 
is this temple. It's very telling in its design. It's got a fake fake painted front door. It's got a medieval-era-looking lock on the front that's designed to keep people barricaded inside so that they cannot escape. There's a serpent column in there that's connected in history to the Greek sacrificial tripod from ancient Delphi uh, and Apollo. Apollyon, of course, the angel god of destruction uh, and the spirit that the Bible says is going to inhabit the Antichrist. Um, This rape sanctuary, as I call it in the book, was fashioned, uh, it's almost identical, actually, to the Haman Yalbuga, which is a Mamlek-era building uh, in Syria. The Haman is this classic example of architecture from the Mamluk era. I go into all this history in the book, but in Arabic, the word Mamluk literally means property. It's used to designate slaves. During the Mamluk era, children were captured by the ruling class. They became slaves. Some of the boys became prostitutes under these uh, people. Some of them became uh, trained soldiers who had to give up their life ahead of the other guys. Uh, The girls were groomed. They became the personal concubines of the masters. So when you think about Epstein Island, you, you you have to start out by asking this giant question. Why in the world would he have designed his temple to look exactly like the Haman Yalbuga, with the, knowing, knowing the fact that this is sending the signal that this is all about child sex slaves for the elite, uh, uh, and so on. Now, I could go into a lot of other stuff, and I won't. There's other symbolism there that Muslims would have considered to be idolatrous, uh, pagan, and they wouldn't have gone along with it. So it's a mix, like in Freemasonry. It's a mix, where on the one hand you have the Muslim artifacts, but then you also have uh, golden statues of gods on the island, Poseidon, the Roman Neptune. You have these cockatiels, or these bohemian grove owl-like birds that are up on the top of the temple. There's other mythical figures spread. By the way, we, (laughs) we found so much stuff that I finally had to just give up uh, describing some of this in the book, but all of it has a common theme. It's all connected to sex labor, human sacrifice, and pagan gods who preside over the realms of the underworld, earth, and heaven uh, for those who would um, have dominance over children, not just other people, children specifically uh, as being dominated in antiquity by rich and powerful kings, magistrates, uh, and so on, which Epstein must have evidently equated himself with, as did uh, his buddies and pals uh, who frequented the island. Now, again, I'm not going to go into all this, but if you read the book, there's also uh, unidentified goddesses. They seem to be um, kind of amalgamations of different types of goddesses all put together, but specifically they are at the beginning and the ending of different pathways, different walkways on the island, have these goddesses at the front, goddesses at the back. That, too, is taken out of antiquity. It's specifically identified uh, with different goddesses who were the gatekeepers. Steve Quill and I have done a lot of programs on that, but the gatekeepers, like Hecate, uh, who guarded the entrances and the exit ways of uh, different pathways. Now, when we examined carefully with our high-resolution images the goddesses on Epstein's island, 
Um, it appeared to be maybe the Hindu goddess Kali, the goddess of sexuality and violence, among other things, or Lakshmi, the Hindu goddess of wealth, possibly a variant of Shiva, the god of destruction connected to the uh, CERN stargate. Another contender uh, was Anana, the goddess of sex rights and torture porn, as we would call it today, who wore a headdress similar to the one that's on Epstein's island. And then ultimately, of course, Hecate, the goddess of witchcraft. Hecate in particular is an interesting choice because, as I note in the book, uh, that uh, she was the one most predominantly known in history to guard the gateways and prominent walkways. And these are all symbolic. Don't forget, you can go back through the Doug Hegman programs and get these uh, archived shows where Steve and I do a lot of examination, uh, both in antiquity of the idea of gateways that can be opened, but also in biblical prophecy of the gateways that can be opened. And lo and behold, both the Bible and history actually describe the entities that are behind those gates, Book of Revelation, uh, chapter 9. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the star falls from heaven, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. He opens the bottomless pit, and it says, and inside that pit they have a king over them, who is known as Abaddon, who is known in his Greek tongue, Apollyon, Apollo, the very spirit of antiquity that is going to rise up and possess the Antichrist in the end time. But these gatekeepers that uh, guard these openings and entranceways seem to be very redundant on Epstein's Orgy Island. When you read the book, when you get that material, when you get the hidden uh, occultism of Epstein's Orgy Island, you'll, you'll get, well, again, hours of more detailed information. Now, let me jump forward. Other things on Epstein's Island. Demonic gargoyles holding shields. They're all over the island. They have these shields, Steve, with six-pointed stars uh, all throughout Epstein Island. Um, gargoyles, of course, uh, were often representation of evil forces in antiquity and in occultism that inflame forbidden passion, like sin and temptation and rape of children and death of children, but they're also holding a six-pointed star that was that's been used in occult ceremonial magic as a talisman for conjuring demons. But in the old in, in the Bible, in Acts chapter seven, uh, and then again in the Old Testament, Amos five twenty-six twenty-seven, God condemns Israel why for worshiping Molech, to whom children were offered, and his six-pointed star. That's in the Bible. It's in antiquity. To whom children were uh, sacrificed. Uh, in addition to these uh, being all over the island, there are other occult signatures there, facilities. Um, labyrinthian shapes, including keystone patterns on the temple uh, that are identical, again, to the Haman Yalbuga. But these were considered of the highest importance in masonry and other occult practices for dominance over other people, to dominate other people or anybody. Um, so, the, to me, when I looked at Epstein's Island, I, it, the, the, the pattern, uh, if I was a private investigator like Doug Hagman, I would start out with a preponderance of innocence and would just want to know, is there something there that, convince me of, that can convince me otherwise, that can change my mind, that can make me believe that 
there really was something going on here, an aha moment that says you can no longer hide uh, from the truth, from the facts that are presented to you here. And for me, that was when I found the berm area on Epstein Island, this very large berm area. It's actually shaped uh, like an Egyptian shan or a shinu, a hieroglyphic representation of divinity, once again, whether deities, pharaohs, or other influential persons who believe they have power over others. It dates back into Mesopotamia. Uh, but I found this large berm area, 20-foot tall earthen walls, uh, and today there's just a bunch of equipment parked in there. If you go back a year and a half ago, right when um, Epstein was arrested, a whole bunch of equipment suddenly shows up. And the equipment is in there, and they're, they're bulldozing out the inside of this berm area. They're covering up whatever was there. They're removing it. Why are they doing that? Well, to find out why they were doing that, I had to go back before that. And I was able to locate high-resolution images from 2013 from Google Earth. It told a different story, and it was the aha moment. That entire berm area, only one entrance into it, shaped like a shinu from uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics. The, the, the roadway comes in. It's a guarded area. Once you come in, it, moves, it, it goes both left and right, and it goes around the perimeter of the inside of the wall. As you go around the perimeter, there are four entrances, north, south, east, and west, that walk inside to an inner circle. Inside the inner circle is a square. And ladies and gentlemen listening to this program, that is one of the most ancient and redundant images that has been discovered around the world and predating the life of Jesus Christ in a body of flesh on earth uh, by thousands of years. And it was only used for one thing. That was the sacrifice of humans and most usually the sacrifice of children. Uh, you can see that image Again, like in uh, Mayan and Aztec culture, where even their temples were built as a glorified version of that layout, where you have the temples, the big walkways with the, with the step pyramids that reflect how the dragon, Quetzalcoatl, Kukulkan, move down from out of the earth and move over those steps as the sunlight moves over those uh, temples, the, the great dragon, whom the Bible calls the devil, um, but there's four walkways that move up to the top where there was originally an inner circle inside of a square, and it is there where human sacrifices were made. If you look at the Vatican today, uh, you go out into St. Peter's Square. Take a picture of it. Go to Google and look at it. Four walkways that approach an inner circle inside of which is the square base of, in the Vatican's instance, uh, the obelisk of Osiris that was removed from Heliopolis, or what the Bible calls the city of An, which was dedicated to the god Ra, but was used for necromantically raising up the spirit of Osiris from out of the underworld to become incarnate within their pharaoh. Go to Washington, D.C., out in the mall. What do you see? Four walkways to an inner circle, inside of which sits the square base of the uh, Washington obelisk, which the Freemasons built to honor uh, George Washington, they say, 
but which the, the pattern of which is taken from antiquity, an obelisk facing the dome, which is the ever-pregnant belly of Isis. Again, if you've, not, if you've never heard of this before, I, send me an email. I'll send you a product that Steve Quayle, Doug Hagman, and I have done in years past in which we've thoroughly uh, explained and examined how this architecture, it's really an energy receiver, but the intention of it is based on the great seal of the United States of America where the prophecy is contained, the Novus Ordo Seclorum, which takes us right back to the beginning of this program, which is looking forward to the day when both blood sacrifices uh, in both modern and ancient antiquity it were intentionally used in this kind of an occult layout in order to bring about the resurrection of a, a, a spirit connected to the coming uh, final world kingdom and the man of sin. There's other things, and, and, and I, I realize we got 20 or 30 minutes left. There's other things on Epstein's Island. Look, just get the package. You have to know how the labyrinthian sculptures that are on that island are dedicated in, in antiquity to uh, human sacrifices. Uh, the uh, the Masonic man that is in the middle of Epstein's Island, dedicated to human sacrifices, the giant uh, sundial with its 13 feet for Hillary, I suppose, and her friends from California that were part of that coven of 13, where they where they could sit there while these rituals were being carried out, conduct their very dark arcane uh, experiments. The sundial, the open hours of the sundial have rune stones and sacrificial stones like the Vikings would have uh, used that were also connected in antiquity with human sacrifice. Uh, there is so much there that by the time you get to the end of the book, Shadowland, well, first of all, you're, gonna, you're probably going to be really highly disturbed because these are facts that cannot be denied. And again, they only have one parallel in history. They were only used for one thing. All of this architecture um, complements each other, only used in history for one thing, the sacrifice, and usually the sacrifice of children, for a deeper occult purpose, so that through the use of blood sacrifice, you were able to conjure the spirits of the underworld to uh, fulfill whatever your dark aspirations uh, were. And, and Steve, I'm just going to toss it to you, but people have to realize, I think, that uh, we're talking about uh, rituals that, well, people have to think bigger. And, and the, you're not talking about some indiscretions being covertly uh, filmed by a guy that wants to use blackmail. It's much more than that. So go ahead, Steve. Well, Doug, you know, I, I want to remind everybody that years ago, and I'm trying to remember, I wrote the book Angel Wars, Past, Present, and Future. And Tom has quoted, and I've quoted, uh, the Septuagint talking about the return of the giants. This is why it's relevant. I give command and I bring them. Giants are coming to fulfill my wrath, rejoicing at the same time and insulting. They're, they're rejoicing because they're being loosed once again from being bound from coming into our dimension. And in this book, Angel Wars, which I don't think I've ever mentioned on any of my broadcasts, 
you know, I, I forget when I wrote this, and that's the problem. It was uh, this was reprinted in 2017, but the point I think that's critical is that I deal with the combination of the occult, I deal with the angelic wars, I deal with the UFO phenomenon. And Tom, isn't it interesting that even when we bring in the UFO phenomenon, that we've got the uh, whole issue, if you will, we've got the issue of abductions, we've got the issue of uh, all of the different uh, machinations of uh, human DNA, uh, alien DNA. And that's the next question I'm going to ask you, because the Vatican's already prepped. And obviously, the rumors of what's gone on in the basement of the Vatican, all the occult sacrifices, all the occult, uh, if you will, uh, uh, not only sacrifices, but their rituals, and then the disappearance, etc., etc., etc. The point being is, is that you brought out the Vatican talking openly about baptizing aliens. But I think what people need to understand, even while we're in the, I'm sorry, this is going to sound funny, I guess, but even while we're dealing with global famine, there's a certain group that isn't go, going to go hungry. And, and that is, excuse me, the occultists and the return of the giants. And so, Doug, I want to just tell everybody that one of the most important books I ever wrote, and I don't know why I've overlooked it, unless it's just the time for it now. And this is probably one of the most overviews, and I deal with the Masons, and I deal with all the different occultists, and during the 1800s and 1880s, all the conjuring of evil spirits. So we are, in my opinion, we are Mystery Babylon. We are the nation that has become a habitation of devils and every unclean spirit. And I notice this even on, you know, even on simple TV programs, the absolute fascination with the occult, the pastors in the pulpits, when they quit preaching Jesus, when they quit uplifting the Son of God, they absolutely opened up this entire country and pretty much the entire world, now there are exceptions, to the infestation, that's the best word I know, and the plague of demons, devils, and fallen angels. So, Tom, in all the occult practices that are uh, all the occult practices and places that you've seen, I don't think people understand that in the world of masonry, according to Albert Pike, in his own words, that the war between the Christians, the Jews, and and uh, and the Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, and Muslims is all being designed to have everybody kill off everybody so that they can bring about exact words, the pure doctrine of Lucifer. To what extent has that statement paid, played in all of your studies, especially culminating in Epstein Island? Well, again, you can see it reflected on Epstein Island. You know, here, part of what literally leaped off of the island at me when looking at all of this um, Luciferian and occultic architecture, the labyrinthian design, this is stuff that extends back thousands of years. I mean, you, the, the occult significance of the, the symbolism is, I would go beyond saying it's meaningful, it's dangerously meaningful. Navigating labyrinths, that, that began in mythology with the story of Queen Persephone and her amorous affair with the sacrificial bull. And Steve, don't forget, that union resulted in the birth of the transgenic minotaur that you and I have described. But well, you wrote about it in your book. This is yep. a creature that lived the center of the labyrinth, this elaborate circular maze, which turns up on Epstein's Island, but also at his private estate in New Mexico called Zorro Island, or Zorro Ranch. We Again, we provide 
uh, images of that. And by the way, when we contacted uh, Zorro Ranch to find out if we could just park on the road uh, and send a drone over the top of Zorro Ranch to film things, they said that they would immediately have the police down there and have us arrested. Uh, but we did it anyway. But the, but the point is, <clears throat> this stuff is meaningful. The Minotaur is a creature that lived at the center of the labyrinth, this elaborate maze that you see turning up on uh, Epstein's per, uh, personal properties. Uh, it was designed by the architect uh, Daedalus, I think. He's a craftsman, this artist in Greek mythology. was this, uh, his son, Icarus. Uh, and it was King Minos of Crete where he was given the order to do this. Why? So that every year, boys and girls, seven boys, seven girls, could be brought to the uh, labyrinth, put inside there to try to find their way out. But what happens? They are sacrificed to the Minotaur, who is transgenic, which again connects to so much of the other uh, research that we did. And so is that why Epstein's Island, his New Mexico estate, are littered with this kind of imagery and structures? I would argue that it was. Uh, but man, there's some stuff here that goes a lot deeper it's a lot darker. Uh, I've got maybe a couple of minutes. Uh, Doug asked me about it before the break, having to do with Pizzagate. People, you know, if, you, if you were to go to Google right now and type in Pizzagate, all you're going to get is a bunch of articles that the New York Times and other where, uh, you know, everywhere are saying that it's nothing but a bunch of uh, conspiracy theory garbage. But don't forget, guys, I was on the Hagman Report, Steve and Doug. I was on with you. In 2016, uh, before the election in 2016, and it was then that for the first time I actually heard the allegations. You guys were talking about it. I didn't know nothing about it involving Pizzagate. Of course, immediately I started doing a whole lot of research, found out that on the one hand that there, there were these alt-right uh, bloggers uh, and some conspiracy sites that were in, uh, you know, inferring involvement of underage children who were being trafficked for use by powerful political underworld figures connected to John Podesta, Hillary Clinton, Tony Podesta, Bill Clinton, uh, numerous others. And by the way, it didn't, it didn't hurt that the WikiLeaks emails included one, an actual email, in which John Podesta uh, is talking about his close relationship with former Speaker of the House Dennis Hastert, remember him, who was sent to prison for uh, sexually abusing boys. The judge actually called him a serial child molester. He was one of the ones that got caught. Uh, Hastert himself was released after serving, I don't know, a, a little over a year of his sentence. But he was linked in these WikiLeaks emails with dozens of other people who were, they kept talking about pizza. There's 149 emails. Now, look, if you were to search all emails that I've ever sent in my whole life, or Steve, or Doug, or anybody else, and search through them using some kind of a computer program that could find the word pizza, you're probably not going to find one, maybe find one. In these emails, 149 email exchanges between um, the Clintons, the Podestas, this, this close circle of individuals who were talking about pizza combined with other foods. And so there was this, maybe it's a conspiracy theory, maybe it's the truth, but 
This whole thing rose up about this coded system for pedophiles. And by the way, they, uh, in our investigation, which included actual PIs like Doug Hagman, though Doug didn't do any work for me on this, but actual private investigators that I hired, as well as people uh, inside Washington, D.C. and at the Pentagon, um, people that I hired, I paid to do research and work for me, um, we turned up that there was some real questions here. Um, I know I'm jumping around. I want to I say something to you guys. When I wrote Shadowland, I'll tell you why, well, one of the reasons why, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, wrote the foreword for that book. Now, for the listener, Robert McGinnis is a very well-respected senior analyst at the Pentagon. He works there now. He's retired from the Army. Uh, he was an Army Ranger, uh, you know, one of these guys that can kill you with his own hand. Uh, and he today, though, however, still works for the government. He was actually considered for a, uh, a position in the Trump administration. Uh, he teaches at the War College. They send him around the world to teach small nations how to conduct war. He continues to be a very important individual. Uh, and he is a senior analyst there. That is his day job. Well, I reached out to him. Uh, some of the stuff in Shadowland started really disturbing me. Uh, I thought that I was on to something that nobody else, anywhere else, had found or had written about. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just pursuing a pig trail, so I contacted him. And I said, can you tell me if anybody in the Pentagon can evaluate this information? It does involve the Clinton crime family and other notables who are mentioned in the book. Can you tell me, can they look at this? And I'm talking about somebody who works in the Pentagon every day in their intelligence, uh, among their intelligence assets. Can they look at this? And tell me, am I exaggerating this stuff? Am I going too far with it? Am I accurate? Am I undervaluing? Um, and basically what I really want to know is, is there evidence that the public is not yet aware of that um, human sacrifices, especially child sacrifices, took place on that island connected to dark occult activity. And guess what? I got an email back. Yeah. Steve, he sent me the guy's email. And the guy's obviously not a Christian. He's totally profane in the email. And he is mother effing hell yes. They have an entire file and it has not been released. I'm, I can tell you that I got that email, but I can't tell you any of the content because he wouldn't even give it to me. He didn't give me the, the file. But, but in answer to my specific question, is there evidence that this was going on on Epstein Island and connected to very powerful people in Washington, D.C.? And his answer was blankety, 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 hell yes. They have a file on that. And they have not yet released this file, but I think it is connected back to what was going on with uh, Pizzagate. I really do believe that it is. I think what you and I were talking about, Doug and Steve, what we were talking about in the run-up to the election in 2016 is a matter of fact among the intelligence agencies. And this probably is widespread. Now, Steve, you said that 
you know, you don't buy the QAnon thing. Well, frankly, I don't buy a lot of it either. I do think that there are people that have intelligence, and once in a while they wind up dispersing information maybe on those boards. I don't know, because some of the stuff that's been on the boards, like they knew, uh, they knew before the, 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 the uh, press ever uh, even mentioned that Jeffrey Epstein was dead, it was on the uh, 8CAN or whatever they call it uh, websites. And the guy said, don't even ask me how I know this, but I can tell you right now, Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Uh, There's been a few times like that where it's like, I don't know who these people are, but it does seem like they're assets. Maybe 99% of it is baloney and it's conspiracy theorist guys trying to make themselves look important that are making stuff up. But among them, there is something there. And, uh, and, And their belief is that soon, if Donald Trump, now, in fact, I'd like to just ask you guys this question and see if you think there's something here. Um, Is it possible that if Donald Trump is elected to a second term, which would be the, the, you know, the, the only time he could run again unless everything in the world changes, so it'd be limited to that final term, that he then, knowing that he can't be reelected again anyway and he's got nothing else to lose, that he would pull the trigger. And I'm not just talking about the kind of investigations that the public knows about right now, but deep investigations into people inside Washington, D.C., that involve some of these super well-known, powerful political families uh, and their connections to pedophilism. That's what what, um, QAnon says is coming, the storm, right? That it's going to happen. Uh, uh, Trump's going to pull the trigger on it, and you're going to see all these really well-known people hauled off to prison or whatever because of their involvement with satanic pedophilism. Do you believe that that might be playing a role in all of the efforts to try to do anything whatsoever? Impeachment, Russia, 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 you know, whatever. And now coronavirus, whatever. Any effort to stop Donald Trump from being reelected, do you think there's anything to that? Steve, go ahead. I'll answer that, Tom. I believe there's every uh, bit of evidence to that because, again, Trump did one thing. Whether you like him or don't like him, the bottom line is God used him to discern between the deep state and the ugliness because America is pretty much a self-righteous nation, no longer a God-righteous nation outside of individual, you know, people's conversion to the Lord. I personally do not believe QAnon. My sources tell me that it's uh, a total, if you will, counterintelligence undertaken by a certain intelligence agency, and you can probably think of the couple of the biggest ones, that 50% of all their posts are written by AI, and there are three individuals, the ISPs or the internet, uh, you know, they, uh, they all track back to the intelligence community, I want to make it clear. It's always manana with that. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We had the FISA court abuse. They Hands down, nothing happened. We had all the Clinton stuff. Nothing happened. We have espionage. We have murder. Nothing happens. And I believe it is because of President Trump's not kowtowing to uh, the deep state. Now, there are people that claim he is the deep state. But here's what I'm trying to say. I do not believe in Q Anonymous. By the way, Q Anonymous, one of my listeners said, do you remember Q in the Star Trek series? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? 
Yeah, Q. And then I said, now remember this too. Q was a direct, if you will, uh, association with MI6, British uh, Secret Service or Intelligence. And he designed all the neat gadgets. Well, here's the thing. I believe, and I'm answering your question specifically, and if I can be any clearer, I don't know how, that it was a counterintelligence case to give the people that might have protested more, that might have stood up, to give them a hope in the future that something's going to change. I don't believe anything can change in the future for this country except, you know, true godly repentance on a national basis. I don't believe that's going to happen. So I'm on record as stating that Q is a total pro or counterintelligence designed to give the people that are concerned, you call them whatever they were before, you know, the moral majority or the people that, uh, you know, uh, formed the Tea Party. It's always something that's going to be revealed. Something's going to be revealed. We're 42 months into that. Interesting number, Tom. Interesting number. That is a biblical number. And no one's gone to jail except all the Trump's cronies. Yes. Now that so let, me this. let me add this before we run out of time. Um, I actually end the book talking about uh, much of what you're talking about right now, asking the question, so what does this all mean and where is America going? And I basically conclude the same thing. We have no hope unless our hope is in Christ. But the 2016 Inspector General's IG report did include notes written down, actually, by the former assistant director of the FBI's counterintelligence division, Randy Coleman, involving, quote, crimes against children, end quote, and that these appear connected to Hillary Clinton and her foundation and dishonored former uh, Congressman Anthony Weiner, uh, and that that's sitting there right now. It's sitting there right now, um, and uh, that investigation, and I'm not tying this to QAnon, I'm saying that investigation uh, is something that could be uh, fueled by the real election of Donald Trump, uh, findings that could be deemed relevant to the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton, the classified information using private email servers, uh, and so on. So regardless of whether everything surrounding the um, uh, Pizzagate, uh, which we didn't have time today to run into. And by the way, if we do another program at some point, we really should talk about the Vatican, the idea of an alien invasion. Again, it sounds just like it's so out there as to be dumb to even be talking about it. But I think it is one of the things that could bring the world to its knees. We could talk about it. So uh, whether all of... Um, 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 uh, Pizzagate was overblown, didn't have any real substance and whatever. There have been a series of police raids since that I've been uh, aware of uh, in some cases even before they happen. I've got a really good friend, Yakub Bouyens. He's working with the Trump administration and his son and daughter. He actually was the guy that wrote part of the uh, uh, bill that Donald Trump uh, put, you know, a half of um, or uh, whatever it was, $500 million behind to uh, investigate sex trafficking, um, and uh, that there really is something there. Um, so, all right, I, I'm looking at the clock. I know we're out of time. All uh, I want to do is tell people, Tom, Tom, please. Tom, if I just may interject one thing. I don't, I don't mean to derail your thought. Uh, you, just, to, just to add my two cents in on this, um, I, I want to make it very, very clear. You, you folks have mentioned the Pentagon. 
there's this convoluted, absurd uh, thing going on out there where there exists this Pentagon pedophile task force, okay? And I'm specifically naming that Pentagon pedophile task force. That is the most ridiculous, absurd, wrong. It does not exist. It, it is being pushed by a number of individuals. Steve and, and Tom, you both probably know, and I'm not going to name any names, but it is wrong. It is does not exist, and do not, folks, and I'm going to tell you right now, do not uh, fall for that th- that mindset. And t- neither Tom nor Steve were talking about that. Okay, so I want to make it very clear. Uh, uh, Doug, let me add to that. I had actually uh, had information that there were, um, oh my gosh, I forget the number now, but it was a lot, like 200,000 instances in which the Pentagon, the Pentagon uh, computers were being used to view child porn and other things. And um, uh, they started an investigation. The investigation was stopped immediately. I got a hold of Colonel McGinnis. I said, can you tell me anything about this? Basically, he said, "There is this is, you, you have just now entered into a black tunnel. No information whatsoever allowed. No information forthcoming. Nobody is going to look into this, and I can't tell you why, but it is not going to happen. So, Doug, to support what you're saying right now, there could be some, you know, some people out there that are writing stuff. They're trying to make a name for themselves. But no, does it exist? Yeah, the evidence is there. There are records that that there is widespread pedophilic activity that is occurring even among the intelligence agencies, but nobody nowhere is going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. And that's an edict that is coming down from the highest levels of government. So where does it start? I can't tell you. I don't know. But I can tell you that people... by the media. She operated this phone-in escort agency in Washington, D.C., and she insisted that her operation was legal, but she was convicted in 2008 of racketeering and money laundering. Well, guess what happened? Like Jeffrey Epstein, she's found hanging in a storage shed outside of her mother's mobile home in in, uh, Tarpon Springs, Florida. That ended the investigation. Anytime anybody, the former GOP senator from Arkansas and Oklahoma a couple years ago, investigating child trafficking involving high-profile individuals, including sitting judges, by the way. Talking last year, they're both murdered. There were uh, Linda uh, Collins-Smith from Arkansas. She was getting ready to go public with her findings. She was found shot to death in her home. Two days later, uh, former Oklahoma State Senator Jonathan Nichols was also investigating pedophiles and sex traffickers uh, in, uh, in the United States. He's found dead in Norman, Oklahoma, in his residence. So, uh, in the book Shadowland, we provide the body count list. You're going to be astonished by it. I would just say go to, go to uh, skywatchtvstore.com, uh, click on it, and for the next month, while you have to shelter in place, we're going to provide you all, you know, there's uh, all together, there's like 80. Uh, films, books, you're going to get it all for a $35 uh, donation. The other thing, and I, look, when we started Eden's Essentials, I only wanted to do it to be able to provide stuff that can help people live their best life. I had no idea 
that coronavirus was coming. I had no idea that the National Institute of Health and all these others would stand up and say one of the best things you can do and should do is supercharge your immunity. The best way you can do that is with fermented mushrooms. If you want to read the science around it, you can go to EdensEssentials.com. You can read why. But all I can tell you is, please, right now, shelter in place. Take care of yourself. Do what Doug said. Do not be out there mingling in these large parties of individuals. Just ride this out for the next 30 days. Uh, meanwhile, do what you can do to naturally, organically supercharge uh, your immunity against viral infection. And uh, Doug and Steve, man, I don't know. We never get to the end of what we could talk about. You guys always inspire me. I always come on these programs thinking I know, I'm, I know what I'm going to talk about and then I never do because you guys are on the cutting edge and I just feel like I'm... Remember that old cartoon from many, many, many years ago with the great big dogs going down the road and the little dog is running around behind him? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm the little dog, right? I'm nipping at your, your feet trying to figure out what's happening so I can be part of it. Well, we we love you, Tom, and we appreciate your intellectual uh, products that, that you give us the the books, the the, the uh, uh, DVDs and such. Uh, Tom Horn, Skywatch TV. Steve, we've got about uh, folks. We've got about two and a half minutes left. So, Steve, go ahead and we can wrap it up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as I've stated, that we are going to have to turn the Gen Six conference that would normally be in Branson, Missouri, into a live streaming uh, event only because of the coronavirus. You can go on gen6.com. If you register for live streaming, you can uh, you know, view video on demand from last year for free. That's a $100 value. Uh, I think you're going to be impressed. We've added another speaker. Uh, Mike Adams has agreed to come on. And remember the theme of it. We're talking about ancient cataclysms and the coming catastrophes and the days of Noah, okay? And that Jesus said, it's going to be as in the days of Noah. And I want to share something. I don't know if many of you knew this, but Hal Turner uh, released last night a story that the United States did take out some drug deals and did actually launch missiles on Venezuela and some other places in Mexico. I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, President Putin got pretty upset because the, there were two Russian bombers there. But one of the things I learned from one of my sources who has been impeccable is Cascadia. I asked him, I said, okay, with the hypersonic missiles and the Russian rain, uh, the Russian submarines lying pretty much dormant on the bottom, how long will the hypersonic missiles uh, take to hit the West Coast? He said, well, well I want to tell you something. He said, probably less than a minute, okay, because they're in the 50 mile and uh, 100 mile, but he said the submarines are on all three coasts. So Cascadia is really critical because, Doug, there's already bulging, and you know the subterfuge that's going on to uh, keep the, the real state of the earthquakes happening, quiet, and the uh, danger of the 12 of the worst volcanoes in the United States. My source said this, he said, Steve, imagine this, multiplied as a force multiplier, the attack with hypersonic missiles on Cascadia. He called me and basically said, I, I believe I have the revelation of what Henry Groover saw in his vision. And if you remember that, ladies and gentlemen, none of the communications, we couldn't even defend against it. Well, I got to share this with you, Doug. Last night, we came very, very close. And obviously, God holds all the timing. People say, well, I don't believe it unless it's in the mainstream madness. Then seriously, you're listening to the wrong guy. You're watching the wrong 
uh, presentation. So I would encourage people to go to gen6.com and sign up for the live streaming. And those of you who have already registered, you know the story. And by the way, those of you who signed up for the special dinner with Doug and I, we will be contacting you individually and telling you how we're going to handle that. And so uh, the 2020 live streaming video on demand, True Legends Conference, 100 bucks, and you get to view uh, last year's 20 conference. And I want to share this, I, and I do share this. One of the most important books I've ever written, and I, I can't believe it, Doug. I just can't believe it. That, uh, and I do believe it now that this book was written for this time, Angel Wars, and it talks specifically about all the boundaries that God originally created and all the attempt to break those boundaries by the loosing of fallen angels, demons, and literally monsters. That's why Jesus said men's hearts are going to fail them for looking after those things coming upon the earth. That's Amen. not fear. That's not fear. That's biblical. Exactly. Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, Angel Wars book. Uh, go to gen6.com as well. Folks, uh, and, and Tom, thank you so very much. May God bless you. Really appreciate you. Let's have you back, both of you. Let's do this again. We can do this for six, seven hours. We never get to the, we, we never get to the end of it. May God bless each and every one of you. Out of time. Good night, everyone. Bye, Doug. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye, guys.